Welcome to the Friday edition of Transformation Radio.
My name is Tyler Sloan. I'm in second phase. I'd like to affirm Jody Knowles. Brother, you've been there since uh, since day one, and uh, I can really respect that. I mean, any problems I've ever had, you, you've been the brother I come to for everything. I mean, I, I couldn't ask for a better person than this. Thank you, brother. And now as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today will come from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we'll read verses 5 through 23. We'll see that Paul planted the seed of God's word in people's hearts. He was a missionary pioneer. He brought the message of salvation. Apollo's role was to water, to help the believers grow stronger in the faith. Paul founded the church in Corinth, and Apollos built on that foundation. Tragically, the believers in Corinth had split into factions, pledging loyalty to different teachers. The preacher's work was completed, but God keeps on making Christians grow. Our leaders should be respected, but we should never place them on pedestals that create barriers between people or as a substitute for our devotion to Christ. We'll see as we read today that God's work involves many different individuals with a variety of gifts and abilities. There are no superstars in this task, only team members performing their own special roles. We become useful members of God's team by setting aside our desires to receive glory for what we do. Don't seek the praise that comes from people, because it is comparatively worthless. Instead, seek the approval that comes from God. And once again, we'll learn that the foundation of the church of all believers is Jesus Christ. And Paul laid this foundation when he began the church at Corinth. In the church built on Jesus Christ, each church member would be mature, spiritually sensitive, and doctrinally sound. However, the Corinthian church was filled with wood, hay, and stubble. Members who were immature, insensitive to one another, and eagerly accepting wrong doctrine. No wonder they had so many problems. Local church members should be deeply committed to Christ. Can your Christian character stand that kind of a test? And finally, we'll see that Paul said that both life and death are our servants. While non-believers are victims of life, swept along by its current and wondering if there is meaning to it, believers use life well because they understand its true purpose. Non-believers can only fear death. For believers, however, death holds no terrors because Christ has conquered them all. Death is only the beginning of eternal life with God. And now let's begin our reading today, here in the New Testament. August 7th, the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 23. After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field, you are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. 
for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scriptures say, He traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. He knows they are worthless. So don't boast about following a particular human leader. For everything belongs to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life and death or the present and the future. Everything belongs to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. In the book of Psalms for today's reading, we'll be narrating Psalm 29, verses 1 through 11. We'll read about the cedars of Lebanon. There were giant trees that could grow to 120 feet tall and 30 feet in circumference. They were big trees. A voice that could split the cedars of Lebanon would be a truly powerful voice. That would be the voice of God. The flood mentioned in this passage here is the same Hebrew word for the great flood that covered the earth in Noah's day. Now throughout history, God has revealed His power through mighty miracles over nature, such as the great flood that we read about back in Genesis. He promises to continue to reveal His power. Paul urged us to understand how great God's power is. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to help us with our daily problems. We just have to pray and thereby access God's power. So when you feel weak and limited, don't despair. Remember that God can give you strength. The power that controls creation and raises the dead is available to you. Psalm 29, verses 1 through 11, a psalm of David. Honor the Lord, you heavenly beings. Honor the Lord for His glory and strength. Honor the Lord for the glory of His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. The voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty sea. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord splits the mighty cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon's mountains skip like a calf. He makes Mount Hermon leap like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. The voice of the Lord makes the barren wilderness quake. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. 
The voice of the Lord twists mighty oaks and strips the forests bare. In his temple, everyone shouts, Glory! The Lord rules over the floodwaters. The Lord reigns as king forever. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. Proverbs chapter 20, verses 26 and 27. A wise king scatters the wicked like wheat, then runs his threshing wheel over them. The Lord's light penetrates the human spirit, exposing every hidden motive. My prayer is that you will know, that you will press on to know the supremacy of Christ the supremacy of his deity, equal with God the Father in all of his attributes, the radiance of his glory and the exact image of his nature, the supremacy of his eternality that makes the mind want to explode with the imponderable thought that Jesus Christ never had a beginning. He is simply there. The absolute reality with which we reckon. We must rise to the supremacy of his eternality while all the universe, including this building and your body and this earth and all the galaxies are fragile, contingent, like a shadow in comparison to the substance of Jesus Christ. We must know the supremacy of his never-changing constancy. Oh, to have virtues that never change, a character whose commitment is constant, yesterday, today, and forever. Let us know the supremacy of his constancy. And let us know the supremacy of his knowledge that makes the Library of Congress look like a matchbox and makes all the information on the Internet look like a 1940s farmer's almanac and makes all of quantum physics and everything that Stephen Hawking has ever dreamed look like a first grade reader. We must know the supremacy of the knowledge of our Lord. We must know the supremacy of His wisdom that has never been perplexed by any problem whatsoever, nor can He be counseled by any person or any being in the universe. We must know the supremacy of His authority. All authority is mine in heaven and on earth and under the earth. No change. All authority. Changing times and seasons, removing kings, setting up kings, doing according to His will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can stay His hand or say to Him, What have you done? We must know the supremacy of his providence, without which not a single bird in the extended reaches of the Amazon forest has ever fallen off of any limb, and without which not one hair turns white or black. 
we must know the providence of Jesus. We must know the supremacy of His Word, which upholds the universe by the Word of His power. All the galaxies, molecules, atoms, and subatomic reality nobody has yet dreamed of down there where no one has yet looked. We must know the supremacy of His power to walk on water and cleanse lepers and heal the lame and open the eyes of the blind and open the ears of the deaf and cause storms to cease and with two words to raise the dead. Lazarus, come forth! Or one word to raise the dead. In your blood I said to you, live! We must know the supremacy of His power. We, we must know the supremacy of His purity. He never sinned. He never sinned. He never had one millisecond of a bad attitude or a sinful lust. We must know the supremacy of His trustworthiness. He never breaks a promise. He always keeps His word absolutely without fail. We must know the supremacy of His justice. He will render all accounts settled in the end, in the universe, either on the cross or in hell. No injustice will remain when Christ is finished with His supreme justice. We must know the supremacy of His patience. He has endured you and me for decades. He has endured this city and brings the sun can you imagine why the sun rose on this city this morning? This wicked city, this world so full of us-type sinners and He makes paradise rise in the sky in Minneapolis. What kind of patience are we dealing with here? We must know the supremacy of His servant-like sovereign obedience kept every one of His Father's commands absolutely and in the end embraced the cross with total willingness. We must know the supremacy of His meekness and lowliness and tenderness. He will not break a bruised reed or quench a smoldering flax. We must know the supremacy of His wrath. One day it will explode on this world from heaven such that all who have rejected Him will call for rocks to crush their brain lest they have to face the wrath of the Lamb. We must know this. When I look at the beheadings and I hear someone ask, Where is your supreme Christ? My answer is really easy. He is in heaven storing up almighty wrath in fury to pour out on all those who commit such sins. That's where He is. And you better get right with Him and repent or you will all likewise perish. It's not a hard question to answer biblically. We must know the supremacy of His grace which gives to the spiritually dead rebels like us life wakens Faith in hell-bound haters of God justifies the ungodly with His own righteousness. We must know the supremacy of His love which dies for us while we are yet sinners and gives to the absolutely undeserving the ability for ever-increasing joy in making much of Him. And we must know the supremacy 
supremacy of his gladness in the fellowship of the Trinity, infinite power, infinite energy, infinite joy rising, spilling over in the creation of a universe and becoming for you one day an inheritance for every struggling saint. We must know this is what we were made for. Press on to know the Lord. We are made to know Christ. We're not made to do little diddly things. We're made to know this massive Christ. This world is little two-second slice. And then with Him or not, forever. It's what we are created to know and do and be about. And when we know Him in those ways, we have begun to know the outskirts of His supremacy. of his supreme severity and invincibility and dignity and simplicity and complexity and resoluteness and calmness and depth and courage. If there is anything admirable, if there is anything worthy of praise in all the universe, it is summed up in Jesus Christ. He is always infinitely admirable in everything and over everything supreme. Over all galaxies and endless reaches of space. Over the earth from the top of Mount Everest, 29,000 feet up to the bottom of the Pacific Ocean, 36,000 feet down in the Mariana Trench in the Pacific Rim. He is sovereign and supreme over all plants and animals from the peaceful blue whale to the microscopic killer viruses. He is supreme over all weather and all movements of the earth, hurricanes, tornadoes, monsoons, earthquakes, avalanches, floods, snow, rain, sleep. He is supreme over all chemical processes that heal or destroy cancer, AIDS, malaria, flu, and all the amazing grace of antibiotics and a thousand healing drugs that we do not deserve. He is supreme over all countries and governments and armies. He's supreme over Al-Qaeda and the terrorists and the kidnappings and the suicide bombings and the beheadings. He is supreme over Bin Laden and Al-Zarqawi. He is supreme over all nuclear threats from Iran and Russia and North Korea. He is supreme over politics and elections and debates on Thursday. He's supreme over media and news and entertainment and sports and leisure. He's supreme over all education in universities, no matter what they teach. And he's supreme over all scholarship and science and research. He's supreme over all business and finance and industry and manufacturing and transportation. And he's supreme over the internet and all informational systems. As Abraham Kuyper famously said, there is not one square inch on planet Earth over which the risen Christ does not say, mine, and I rule it. I am supreme over Christ. And 
though it may not seem to you as though he holds such supreme rule now. It is but a matter of very short time until he comes with the glory of his Father and all his angels in flaming fire, giving relief to those who trust him and absolutely destroying to the uttermost in everlasting conscious torment those who have rejected him, saying, Where is your God? Oh, help us, Lord. Oh, help us see and savor the supremacy of your Son. Give yourself to this. It's my plea. Give yourself to this. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. Pray that God would show you these things in his word. Swim in the Bible every day. Don't give it a little touch as you head off to do what you really like to do. Swim in the Bible every day. It is an ocean of bright, glorious, weighty, all-satisfying truth about the one for whom you were made. Give yourself to being what God created you to be. You have a brain. You have a heart. You have emotions. He wants all of it. And when He shines, blazing at the center, this little planet is just going to go where it's supposed to go. Question. Okay. We're all sinners here. And we don't know him like we ought and we don't trust him like we ought and we don't treasure him the way he deserves to be treasured. So what stands in the way? What's the main obstacle to knowing Christ's supremacy? The biblical answer to that is clear. The main obstacle to knowing Christ's supremacy is the absolutely just and holy wrath of God. We can't know God in our sin because the wrath of God rests on us in our sin. What we deserve from God is not knowledge of God, but judgment of God. And since we're cut off from the knowledge of God and the wrath in the wrath of God, we're cut off from purity, we're cut off from holiness. All the planets are out of order, no matter how secure and successful you feel. God doesn't owe us purity, He owes us punishment. And therefore we are hopelessly depraved and condemned, except for one thing. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree.
God hates sin and His wrath is infinite against sin. And we're all stamped and defined by sin. And God demands perfection. Be perfect. Your Father in heaven is perfect. You must be perfect. Nothing short of perfection enters my presence. And so there rests on us demands we cannot meet and a curse we cannot bear. And Christ says to his Father, May I? Because the Father had already made a covenant of redemption with the Son. You shall. And the gospel, it is the foundation of this conference. It's your only hope. The gospel is that Jesus Christ came into the world and bore the wrath of God, the curse. Galatians 3.13, one of the most precious verses in the Bible. It became a curse for us. And he performed a righteousness for us, perfect, which we never could perform, which is now, by faith alone, imputed to you. So that you may be united to this perfect Christ, him bearing all the curse, him providing all the perfection, and know paradise is open. I can know him. I could begin to grow in knowing him. I could actually begin to enjoy him. He's not against me anymore. In fact, the wrath of God has been so totally absorbed by Jesus and the perfection that I must produce has been so totally produced and provided by Jesus that now only one thing governs God's attitude to me and that is mercy. All that I experience, all my pain and all my pleasures are mercy, mercy, mercy. Everything working together for my good. And therefore, paradise is open to me. And I can begin to see him, know him, study him, enjoy him, grow in him. And find the satisfaction in my soul that he was meant to be. The best gift of the gospel is not the forgiveness of sins. The best gift of the gospel is not the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. The best gift of the gospel is not eternal life. The best gift of the gospel is seeing and savoring the supremacy of Jesus himself. That's the best gift of the gospel. And we had no access to that joy until he took our place. Thank you for listening to Transformation Radio.